Hello, I'm Dana Brooks of Facing Brooks Law Offices, and you are back for another edition of the Empower Hour brought to you by the Empower Plan. Hello, everybody. It's Dana Brooks of Facing Brooks Law Offices, and you are back for another exciting episode of the Empower Hour brought to you by the Empower Plant. I am joined today by our uh, my law partner, Betsy Brown. She is back. Got her headphones on. She's ready to engage. Every week. Every, every week, week, baby. She's here for Women Power. We got <laughs> Kia Thomas back. She's our PR director. Kia, what's on your shirt today? It is. Let's see here. I don't need an invite to the table. I am the table. Okay, now I'm having trouble hearing you real quick. I'm getting a little bit of an echo. Hold on. Our, produ- our producer can handle that. But uh, yeah. That's Did you thought. hear it this time? Let me say it one more time. That's better. Tell me now. All right. I don't need an invite to the table. I am the table. My reason for wearing this was because of Barbie. Because she uh, has definitely started the table for her people so i was like oh wearing it today for her oh i love that i love it so much well you know what elizabeth warren says if you don't have a place at the table you're probably on the menu hello (laughs) thank you hey barbie um you are in a special club with me club 25 of the women in tallahassee you need to know um, she is one of them. Tell us about yourself and tell us your story. And um, every time I meet you, you have such a bright, energetic, dynamic personality. So bring it, girl. Oh, welcome. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Hi, everyone. And thank you so much for having me. I was very uh, and am very much honored by this invite. Uh, I'm not sure. Tell my story. That's a pretty pretty heavy thing. I will say so. Um, I'm the owner of Red Eye Coffee. I like to say I'm the new owner because a lot of people, because Red Eye Coffee is a legacy brand that's been in Tassie for a minute. And so uh, I like to just kind of explain that. And I, I kind of worked my way up and then earned it. And now I own it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty exciting. It's pretty awesome. Um, and we've got such a great team. And so I'm, I'm actually not, uh, like I didn't work my way up in the food and beverage industry, the way most hospitality owners and, and you know how they do. I was actually an educator. And so I taught for a while. Uh, I was a special education teacher and then I was a reading teacher and I did different things in the school system. And then, um, I'm one of the founding members of the Oasis Center for Women and Girls. And I was actually a program director there for several years. And then from there, I went into Southern Scholarship Foundation, working in higher education with FSU, FAMU, and TCC students. Um, And I joined a a doctoral program at the University of Florida, and I was going to do student affairs and higher education for my life path. And then my path just kind of veered. And so now I'm part of Red Eye, and now I'm an owner. And so it's pretty amazing. I love everything about it. I love the emphasis on education. I, I remain committed in my belief that that is the biggest di- differentiator, uh, especially whenever you're looking at breaking generational cycles. I think education is the key. Um, but you are Dr. Morrow, are you not? Don't you have an EH? Oh, so I'm ABD. I'm all the dissertation. And so uh, what actually I kind of found myself at a crossroads. Um, because I had I had my son, and so at that moment in time, I had a baby. I was part of this doctoral program, and then I was offered the opportunity with Red Eye, and I couldn't do everything. And so I chose I chose my family, and I chose Red Eye, um, and I dro- I dropped out. So there's no you uh, paused your educational pursuits. I paused it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way I see it, well, I don't see it as like a like want want like I, I'm not sad. Right. About I just chose something different. And so anything, I'm just really, really uh, grateful for the opportunity and the privilege to have a choice. And I'm thrilled with what I chose and I'm thrilled with where my path led me. So I like to, you know, everyone talks about success and, you know, you you see the things where it's like, oh, success is like from here to here and it's a straight deck. Like it's linear. Funky will be underwater, over water, who knows what, roller coaster, barf on yourself, celebrate yourself, dance, everything. Mm -hmm. No, it's all that. I'm in a, a women's group 
we travel to uh, Belize once a year, and then now we kind of keep up with each other every other week. And one of the exercises one of our leaders did was to tell us to plot our trajectory in life. <laughs> How many people do you think had a line that went like this? <laughs> Nobody, not a soul. You know, everybody kind of so back it. a little bit. You went back up fast, and then you were down, and then down. Yeah, you just have to enjoy the ride and just give gratitude. Gratitude every step of the yeah. way, you know? I love that. I love it. Betsy Brown in the house. Hey. Betsy, Wait, do I get to go first? You get to go first. You have a position of honor on this week. All so right. Take okay. it away, lady. Take it away, Maverick. Hey, Barbie. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for joining us. So I just, I, I read up kind of on your story today and came across this awesome article about how you managed to pivot and, you know, think creatively and come up with a business plan during the pandemic that allowed you guys to survive and thrive such a difficult time. And I just thought it was a great article. And essentially, and please correct me if I say it this wrong, but you you joined up with other mostly female-owned businesses and kind of joined your services together and provided packages for people to come pick up breakfast and come do this and uh, taking advantage of the things you could do and making the most of them. So I have all kinds of questions about that. Like how, how did you come up with the idea? Not just come up with it, but then like implement it and make it successful. Yeah. What's your secret? <laughs> I mean, honest, honestly, is that I love people and I believe in kindness. And so I, I think that that, the re and I don't say that like to be cheesy or, or anything, but I think that when you open yourself up to the, um, the belief that there are other people that are more about community than they are competition, I think when you open yourself up and you're vulnerable in that, I think that they're, uh, something magical can happen. And I've been very, very lucky that that is my, that is my truth. That is my experience, especially when working with other women. And so that is definitely something that I think is worth celebrating. Um, I believe in the power of women. I believe in the magic of women. I believe that uh, there's nothing that women can't put their minds to and, and, and succeed and succeed together. Right. Yeah. And like arm in arm and so the way the the first the first like crazy thing the way that happened was okay COVID hit we shut down everyone shut down everyone's in a panic I mean I imagine all business owners felt this but it was especially true for me is that I know like I know our employees right like I know I know our staff I know their lives I know how many of them depend on a paycheck not only to care for themselves but care for their families and so I immediately was like, oh my gosh, how, like, if we're closed, how, how can we pay them? How can we make sure they're okay? And so one of the things that um, came to mind was what if I reached out to, you know, our different partners or just different people that I know, what if I leveraged my relationships, whether as a vendor and a customer or like person to person um, to get different donations, right. And put together something called tip jar baskets. So it was a basket filled with all kinds of like really, really cool stuff, diverse stuff. And then people would just pay whatever, $100, $150, $200, whatever it would be for the basket. And all of that money went 100% to the staff. And um, I just started asking people. So I have a really strong background in nonprofits, right? I have a really strong history in if when whenever you need something from the community, and you rely on people on their kindness and their good hearts, the community rises up and takes care of each other, right? Like that is something that, that I believe to be true. And so that's what we did. And for two weeks, um, I was able to provide, I mean, it wasn't like full checks, but I was able to give them something and it was a hundred percent through the tip jars. And I would go around and at this time school, like daycare was also closed. And so I would go around delivering the tip jars to people's houses and things with my like three-year-old at the time there singing ABC, right. And just driving mm -hmm. out to people's houses. And that's how the staff got paid. But through one of those donations, one of those vendors that I met, and at the time, like we were practically strangers, but it was um, 
Chef Nikki through uh, Pro Seasoning. And so Chef Nikki, I'll never forget it because we were like, it was co it was COVID, right? So we were like 15 feet apart, right? On her driveway in front of her house. And she had just gotten uh, temporarily furloughed through uh, FSU because she was an executive chef at the time. And she had her spice her spice business and all this stuff and she was donating jars to these tip jar baskets and she was like yeah I remember what it was like I've been a server like that's hard like however like I love that you're hustling so much to, like help your staff like here you go here's like all the seasoning and all the spices that you could add right and so in that I was like well what are you doing now like what it like what's happening she's like well you know like we're on pause right like the rest of the world but she is like an online personality because she's this amazing chef and she does cooking lessons and so she does like these video cooking lessons and I was like well she's like I'll just keep doing my you know my cooking my online cooking lessons and I'll see what's up and I was like well I have access to a food distributor do you and she's like no and I'm like well what if I got the food what if we made meal kits and then like people paid and then they did a virtual cooking class with you, but they picked up the meal kits from Red Eye or like whatever. And that was the first partnership. And it started because she wanted to donate her spices, right? To help serve. And then from there kicked off this like 16 week venture where every week people would buy meal. It was like HelloFresh, but like local HelloFresh with Chef Nikki and Red Eye, right? And there was these Chef Nikki and Red Eye meal kits. And then people would do these and they'd have like all kinds of us. And through that, we met so many people, so many customers, like new people. It was just so much fun. And then that kind of kicked off all these other ideas. That's when I reached out to Chef Rebecca with Street Chefs and Refire. And I was like, yo, is there room for us to collab here? Like, what's up? Um, and then just, you know, just kind of from there, just relationship, relationship, relationship. And we got through it. I mean, I really, we got through it together and we got through it by believing in community over competition. 1000%. Wow. I knew, I knew that was going to be a great story. Um, <laughs> I, I also knew like when I was reading the article, your little three-year-old cause your daycare shut down. So you just put that baby on your hip and Oh yeah, what mamas know, do. Carried on. Do what mamas do. That's right. Yeah, you 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 did it. Um, and he's got the cutest little name. Oh. <laughs> Can I say it? Can I say yeah. it? Ambrose. Ambrose. Nice. I love it. He's anyway. my yeah, he's, he's adorable. Here. So so he would help her assemble the little baskets, right? And so he, oh, yeah. he learned what all your products were. Three-year-old, three-year-old. Yeah, amazing. I got to meet him. He put things in order and all this stuff. He tells everybody that he's going to work at Red Eye Coffee when he grows up. And oh. yeah, he's in it. He's in it, man. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Betsy, do you have any other questions right now? Or you want to go to Kia real quick? <laughs> I think I'll, I'll let Kia take a turn. Kia, get in quick. I'll get allow it. Right now. Don't get waste you any do time. it. Barbie, I am here. Like I stated, this shirt was for you. Oh, it was very okay. intentional. Um, as most people know around here, I try to be as intentional as possible. And I want to thank you for starting that table because a lot of times we have to be invited, right? Especially as women. And I want to thank you for doing that and taking on that huge load because that is definitely a huge load so <clears throat> here's my question mm. what are some of the challenges that you faced regarding catalyzing your innovation and I say that because your your background in employee relations and what you've done for your employees that's my reason really for the question that's innovative because most people are CEOs. Again, it went back to that whole mommy thing. I think you really thought on a mommy level, like, how do I make this work? Which is what we do on a daily basis from our schedules to making sure we're picking up the kids back at work. Then, you know, you're getting here early and like, don't worry, I got this. So how or what were some of the challenges that you faced regarding catalyzing those innovations? Yeah, that's what I thought, Kia. My first word, I wrote it down in all caps. 
Innovative. Mommy mode. Um, you know, I think so being so being honest, being real, um, I struggle as a business owner with my mind battling my heart sometimes. Mm. And so um, during COVID and reaching out to other business owners and other people who've like been doing this for a very long time and are very, very successful in their business models and are very, very successful in what they do. Um, they took a very different approach than I did. And um, the, the it was understandably so. This isn't like a, it's not a knock on anybody. It's just a, a different path, right? Uh, oh. Was um, survivalist kind of like mode, right? Like it was, it was very much like cutting. People got laid off. People got cut left and right. Um, this like, this pause or this, permanent shutting down to kind of just um, survive because this is a business, this is their livelihood, this is their whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I put everyone in front of me, almost mm-hmm. my detriment. Uh, and some mentors would, would, you know, some mentors were advising me otherwise. Um, but I very much, I was like, if I'm going to go down, like, I'm going to go down fighting for my people. And, and if that, if that's my claim to fame, like whatever, like if that's my demise, I, I'm not sorry. Right. And so, um, I think that approaching things from that angle, um, never made anything impossible for me. Like I have a very healthy, healthy disregard for, uh, the idea. Right. Um, and so I think that, don't get me wrong like like I may have pivoted 25 ways and only three were successful right but I don't care like the three were successful and we got through it and um I survived the pandemic without having to lay off a single person and that's something that many other people can say and in that I used some of the emergency money so if and when an employee found themselves um with COVID or needing to quarantine and we're missing shifts and, you know, didn't, we're living alone or didn't have anybody or whatever. Um, I offered, you know, groceries getting delivered to their house. Mm. I offered COVID emergency pay to make sure that they could pay whatever their bills were. Um, you know, I was like, you know, if, if to your point, like if I'm going to be at the table eating, I'm making sure that everyone's eating too. Absolutely. And so oh, I, I love it. <clears throat> Hey, so I have a couple of questions. Yeah. <laughs> Where the hell are you right now? <laughs> you in a closet? <laughs> I knew that's where she was going. I already knew. If you know, you could have come to the office. You could have come to the house. <laughs> this is, I'm in our production room. Yeah. Okay. Because right before, because right before leading up to this, I had like all these meetings and I knew, and like they, like, no, no offense. Like I'm super honored to be here, but I knew that they needed me. And so I was like, man, if I push off these meetings, I'm not going to be able to talk to them until tomorrow. And I don't want them anxious. So I was like, I'm going to just go minute to minute and I'll just be in this closet. <laughs> okay. Now I'm going to get into it with you. Okay. What I'm hearing from you is a lot of putting other people first an enormous amount of empathy, which we all know all of everybody watches this show knows about it, but we've got some new watchers you know, empathy is not sympathy. Anybody can feel sorry for someone. Oh, that must be terrible. Oh, if that was going on with me, I'd hate it. Empathy is, wow, look at Barbie. Not me in her situation, her in her situation. Look at all the stuff she's got going on and look at what her priorities are and look at what she's making happen with basically, it sounds like a baby on the hip and a hand behind the back. Right. Pretty, pretty impressive. So tell me this, how does your your Hispanic culture, specifically your Cuban American uh, orientation, how does that inform how you live your life? How you, how you, how you practice in your business, how, how you treat other people, your children, your employees, you just have to, you, you seem to have an enormous sense of caring about how other people are doing that. Unfortunately, we don't see uh, as much as, as we would like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I gotta tell you, that's my parents. I'm, uh, 
both my parents are 100% Cuban. I am. I'm first generation Cuban American. Uh, family comes first. Family comes before anything else. And, you know, and that includes blood family and chosen family. Mm-hmm. And so a big part of my upbringing, upbringing um, was this sense that uh, you're not owed anything in life. Like no one owes you anything. And um, as such, whenever anyone extends to you a gratitude, you should be grateful, right? Mm-hmm. You the path of, of gratitude and you're always grateful. You will always find yourself with an abundance of things to be grateful for. And then within that same path is this notion of like, because no one owes me anything and I don't owe anyone anything, right? Um, What kind of impact could you make if you lived in a life of service, of just serving for the sake of serving, not serving for what's in it for me, what am I going to get out of it? But like just serving because this is this is how you want to live your life. And this is what it means to like live your, you know, have your head up high. And so growing up, my, my dad would always um, tell me this story every, every week he would tell me the same story, <laughs> but it, clearly it like made an impact on me, but we would go to the grocery store and he would always walk me to the orange juice aisle. And then in the orange juice aisle, he would explain to me how orange juice was made. It's like, yes, you have this container and it's, and it's here, but that orange juice didn't magically appear right? There's a farmer who's got oranges that then needs to need to throw it. Then there's the juicing, then there's the plant, then there's the truck that delivers it. Then there's the stalker in the grocery store who grabs it and puts it on the shelf. Like, like we are all here in a life of service to one another, whether or not we realize it, right? So how do you want to live out your life of service? And in doing so, if you were to choose gratitude and you were to choose kindness, you will find more, you'll find joy in that more often than not. And so um, I've got, I mean, I really do. I have this, I do, I have this sense of just love and service towards others, expressing kindness. Um, My parents are both insanely like just awesome, kind, loving, caring people. Um, respecting each other and respecting others was like really like it was really really big in my family it's a really big deal Uh, (laughs) and and, you know and just kind of just just do right like just do the best you can right you just oh that's all you can do that's all anyone can ever ask of you and that's you know that's all you can do you can do the best you can but then with that something that I do feel is I mean it's very strong from like the Hispanic sense too is taking pride in my family name Right. And so my parents would often remind me that all all you have in this life is your name because your name is your reputation. Your name is your word. And so are you going to be a person who lives by their word or are you going to be a person that lets other people's words define you? That's why I get married all the time and change my name, because I may have blown it with some people. And so I only want that name to be. (laughs) I'm Goodness. All right, Let's talk about this orange juice fairy. That's what I call it. Your dad telling you this orange juice just just doesn't appear, sweetheart. Somebody had to go, you know, grow, farm, pick, squeeze, pasteurize, promote, market, whatever. Somebody's got to look at numbers. Um, I call it. I call that in the private law firm world the firm fairy. And then people say, "We'll have the firm pay for it." I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) "Where is the firm?" Yeah. Where is that damn firm? I keep hearing. <laughs> no, I get it. No, it's it's just a, it's just I think it's a, a form of privilege, you know. Like you know, you just show up at a, a dining uh, establishment or Publix, and there's milk, there's orange juice, there's uh, produce products. Uh, but I think I, I don't know. This is my interpretation. It just seems like my interpretation. It seems like it was your parents telling you, remember that everything in life isn't easy and certain things are easy for you. And, uh, but, and the things that are easy for you were caused because it was uh, by it being hard for somebody else. It seems like it's just, like I said, it's an enormous amount of empathy. So uh, kudos to Miss Barbie's parents. Okay. Let's see what else. Um, Very important. Okay. Go ahead. No, that I was just giving them mommy and poppy love. Mommy and poppy love. Okay, another very important question. Is Cuban coffee on the menu at Red Eye? So, 
Yes. Well, well, what, 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 hesitation? What happened? What's what? Tallahassee. <laughs> so it's just getting down to the weeds of it. I will say Cuban style coffee is on the menu. We whip it. We do that puma. We do our with the foam with the little, little, just a a foam on the top. A tiny yeah, cup. Yeah, we do it right. Now. Okay. Cuban coffee, like beans from Cuba. No, we don't do that. No, I don't know. It's like cigars. Not that I care about them, but I, I mean, it's the style of the Cuban cigar that everybody's wanting. It's not really the Cuban tobacco. Mm -hmm. uh, same thing with the coffee. It's the style. It's the presentation. It's the thing. Of the yeah. coffee. Now, how do you Americanize, supersize a Cuban coffee? Because <laughs> I love a Cuban coffee, but when they serve it to you, it's in a, um, you know, like, very tiny, and I want 18 of those over ice. Yeah, get a larger. We can serve it for you larger, and it's extra strong and still delicious. Now she does say this. She says she can get you anything, and you can drive right up because she asked me because why don't you come to my coffee shop? And I said it's usually not on my way uh, if I'm in town. If I'm coming from the coast, it is, but I have to have a drive through because I usually have those two dogs in my car. Okay, and honestly, I don't. Uh, nobody come for me, but. I don't actually care for Starbucks coffee. I just need a little bit of an action plan in the morning and I have dogs in the car and I need to drive through. I much prefer red eye coffee. It's very, very good. I act like I don't know what's on the menu. I do. It's fantastic. Okay. <laughs> but I'm like, girl, I've got to have a drive. She's like, I've got an app for that. Of course you do. What do people do? I mean, tell us more about the innovative things you've done as a woman owned business. Uh, first uh, Cuban American woman on business in your whole area. You've talked about all your passion projects, education. We'll get back to Oasis in a minute. I want to follow up on that for sure. But just tell me about what is informing your business since you're a teacher. What, where is this, where are these apps and stuff coming from? God, I mean, I think teachers are super innovative, right? When you think they about have to be. That the teachers are expected to do and like to do it with 30 people at a time or whatever, right? Like I, I, I definitely think that there's this creative sense of innovation and just making things work, right? Uh, but yeah, no, we we do. So the, the thing that like blows my mind when I really stop and look back is that before COVID, we had a barely functioning website because like it wasn't a priority. Um, we, we, we were very, very limited to like, our brick and mortar store, right? And then COVID, within a month, after the tip jars, within a month, I was like, boom, website, up and up and ready. Tip jars were online. We figured out this whole app thing and, and working so you can order ahead. Curbside, I did a makeshift drive-through. Um, somebody was like, do you have a permit for that? I was like, when the city tells me to stop, then Get I'll off stop. me. It's COVID. <laughs> Until then, I'm having my makeshift drive-through, okay? Today. <laughs> um, Remember those we, people who are putting up the waffle stations in Midtown? I was just yeah. like, I, I was just like, this is crazy. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I loved it. I loved and it. Why not? We, I mean, we, we just, we did. We had a lot. We did uh, the breakfast club. We were delivering breakfast packages to people's doors. Um, all kinds of things, like delivering the coffee, doing all this stuff. And so... Um, I think like the innovation really came. I mean, as a team, we would get together and we would be like, what are we going to do? What are we, I would like, we're, we were throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what stuck, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Um, I do. I, I, I think that that's part of my teacher training. I think that's part of my program director from Oasis training of like, you just, you know, you, you make things happen. Like on, you know, being on, Kelly likes to talk a lot about when I was camp director for the Girls Can Do Anything summer camp the first year that she that she was in like the office next door and she would hear me like talking to somebody as they're telling me like no we can't do this like whatever whatever and then within two minutes talking to somebody else who said yes right yeah. so like my whole thing is like it doesn't matter if I get told no 50 times if I get told yes once then it's worth it right I I joke with the with the team sometimes I'm like you know I don't win them all but I I take five out of six that's an incredible way to look at it, you know, and I do believe personally, this is just a personal observation. I believe that that's a huge advantage women have mm -hmm. over men is we are not used to things going our way. Mm 
we're not used to things just, you know, happening. Uh, we're used to conflict. We're used to uh, friction. We're used to having to uh, kind of read the room a little bit more and figure out how to get ourselves in positions of authority. We don't have a direct path, I guess, is maybe what I'm saying. Um, but I, I love that you're willing to knock heads and also involve your employees. I go to these mastermind groups, other people who, who are trying to make the 21st century law firm business. And so many of them who are succeeding are involving their employees. They're not treating, they're, they're getting rid of this top down thing. A uh, hot thing right now is when you need staff, attorneys, whatever, you want to be constantly recruiting. This is what we're told. You know, when you get talent, snap it up. Even if you don't have a place right now, make it happen. Get them off the street, get them out of circulation so you can get them into your fold. Um, and they're using employees to recruit, um, like incentivizing them, you know, and think about the brilliance of that. Think about the low cost and the brilliance of it. If I get my employees to recruit somebody, they go out, they're invested. They got some skin in the game right along with me. They get a signing bonus. When the person's there at 90 days, they get a bonus. When the person's there at 180, they get a bonus. The person's there a year, they get another bonus. So they're invested. You know how many times you bring somebody in and if you don't handle it the right way, that new employee gets treated like crap. You know, you didn't you didn't onboard them the right way. Everybody else sees them as a threat, thinking they got hired most recently. So they probably got paid more than me. So I'm not helping her. You know, this kind of eliminates some of those things by incentivizing team building. And it's and if there anything more expensive than hiring the wrong person, Ooh. no, uh -huh. honey, no, honey, spend that money to get and keep the right ones. So you doing this, I guess my question was, was it just natural to you? Was this an intuitive process to you to get with your staff and help them help you help them back? What was your thought process or did just I mean, I was never trained in this sort of thing. That's why I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was, I'm just a collaborator, I, you know? And so I, it was just, it was just instinctual to, I mean, I, I had ideas and, and then just coming back to the group and being like, Hey, because what I told them was like, at the end of the day, like I'm, you know, I've got my kid with me and so I can maybe help, but I can't, I'm not going to be the frontline person, right? Because I got this little kid. And so in my mind, like if, if, if they were going to be the ones doing it, I absolutely wanted their buy-in and I wanted to make hmm. sure that was something that like they, they believed in. Right. Cause then it would just increase our chances for success. Yeah. It just kind of you check yourself. It helps, it helps you check your ego because you get, yeah. you're open to the feedback. Oh, and yeah. that sounds easy, but, but honestly, you know, most people do not enjoy receiving criticism, but if you can put yourself out there, be vulnerable enough, you can learn some things that you don't know. And that first, it begins by accepting the premise that you don't know everything. You can oh, be better yeah. than you are. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. 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 I like it. Hey, let's get back to Betsy Brown. We've been talking. What are you thinking about? Well, I keep going back to your, uh, what you said about your parents. And if you're comfortable telling us a little bit more about them, like their story, um, I, I'd love to hear it. I love to hear Me these, too. these immigration stories. Me too. Aww, yeah. <laughs> well, so, um, my mom, my mom worked as a, uh, I guess it's like factory worker, like an assembly line worker for um, putting together like pacemakers. Um, but she was an assembly line worker in a factory. And then my dad worked at the post office. And so um, he worked. With, so I'm like, really, I'm your girl. If you want to talk about postage, like I know all about, I know how we're supposed to address envelopes. I know which stamps are the right one. Like I know all, I know a lot about the <laughs> Um But they yeah they i mean they're just hard just hard working humans um they're they both have very different like immigration stories but um they both worked incredibly hard to become citizens my dad taught himself english through like the library system and just a library card is how he learned english um my my mom is just the sweet she is just like walking sunshine um they met each other. They were working together. But one of my favorite stories is that 
they, my mom saw my dad way before like realizing that they work together and they were stuck. So in Miami, there's a Palmetto, right? There's like interstate. You're always stuck in traffic, traffic stings, right? Whatever. Mm-hmm. So they were stuck in traffic. And like my mom like looked over and she saw like this man like this, mm-hmm. like in the car. And she's like, yeah, I need a series <laughs> like that in my life. <laughs> like my dad worked with her and stuff so they're they're a trip they're they're a trip they're just so such good people such such good people and so um that I mean yeah you know they're just, but that's the thing like they're just like hard workers and so I think a big part of when you talk about like maybe my my sense of empathy or like my sense of other people's paths and like this like gratitude right is I do I think this life that we all get to live hits different when you are the child of immigrants mm, and I think, it I think hits so. when you are the child of immigrants from a communist country mm. right and so I mean America is not perfect by any means right there is so much beauty and um, and power here that's that that you get to celebrate. Like you don't get to let anyone else take it away from you, right? Like nobody gets to take that away from us. And so, um, I was raised very much with this with this like patriotic sense of like America. It's fun, even though like like my so my mom is very light and my dad is brown, and I came out very light like my mom. And growing up, like, I mean, we're not, we're not exempt from any kind of mystery, right? Hyperbank test, yeah. Oh, it's just, I mean, I remember, I remember like my dad being refused service somewhere before and like, like in front of his whole family and like, he just had to swallow that, right? Like, because you don't get to make a scene, right? When you're like on the opposite end, you don't, you gotta, you gotta just whatever, rise above, blah, 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 all that stuff. But like, you can still feel that anger and that hurt, right? And so like, there's just different distinct memories, but it's just different when you are the child of immigrants and your sense of gratitude, your, the comparison of like what they grew up with versus what you're growing up with, what you have access and resources to versus what they did. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and it just, it blows your mind. You're like, like, I hear my dad telling stories about not having running water. And I'm like, I'm like, what do I, what would I do without running water? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my gosh, like I, it's fun of me all the time because I don't like the AC to be like, below a certain or above a certain number and he's like what would you have done in cuba with no ac i don't know <laughs> I or uh, with no ac right like yeah. what i could handle mm-hmm. um, and so you know there's just there's just these opportunities for privilege that like you learn in terms of your of your path in your life but so much of it has to do with those who came before and those who who like paid it forward for you Right. One of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou talks about how, um, like you remember that you are a tree and you have roots. Otherwise anybody will treat you like grass and walk all over Mm -hmm. and that you have been paid for by others. Right. And so that's what I think about so often. Like I am my ancestors wildest dreams, right? Like I, I just, they paid the sacrifice, the everything that they went through to get to that point, everything my parents went through to get to this point. And like, here I am, right? And I'm, and I'm paving the way for my children and my children's children and just, and just my community members, my neighbors and stuff like that. We are, one of the pivots that we did during COVID was that we're, um, we're now roasting our own coffee. And that probably sound like a big deal because it's like, oh, whatever, like lucky go roast their own coffee and other people roast their own coffee. We're the only, woman and minority owned coffee roasting company in this region. Like that is huge. That is a big deal. That is like, whether or not it might, but in an industry that it's mostly white male dominated, that matters. That makes a difference. Right. And like, and people come out to try to like steal your sunshine. I remember that we were doing, um, when our community was going through a particularly rough time, uh, about this, about this time last year, I believe, um, we started doing something called community conversations. Mm. And so there was a lot of like racial unrest and there was a lot of pain 
that people in, within our community were experiencing. And people wanted to have conversations, and but they didn't know how and all this stuff. So then we offered a bread eye as a safe space. And I said, listen, you want to come and have coffee with somebody who does not look like you, sound like you, live like you. And you want to come and kind of like learn from the other side or just share, you can do it and your coffee's on me. Just come. Just come. Hashtag leadership. Something. You got to be some kin to me somehow because I feel like I'm talking to a family member. Yes, <laughs> And I think that feels like that for all of us. I'm not talking about it just on a cultural level, just yeah. in general, like being able to, to, in a sense, identify with the things that you're saying. Yeah. Um, because we, we talk about those different industries that are white male dominated. I have these conversations with Dana and Betsy all yeah. the time because they are breaking through in their you know realms that they're in. Almost every single industry is white male dominated. Yeah. And all of us who are even on this platform right now, we're having to climb from the bottom to the top. And to hear what you're saying and where you are now, I'm I'm just so intrigued. Like my brain is all over the place. I'm like, oh, we can do summits. Oh, we can do conversational over coffee or cups with you see me, Dana? You see me? I'm not yeah. well, here's what I here's what I'm hearing from Barbie. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, I'm all about started from the bottom. Now I'm here, but what she's telling me is she is hearing and understanding other experiences other than the one she's, she's having because her parents have been mindful of, it's kind of like, um, you ever have people, parents tell you like, oh, when I was your age, I had to do this, 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 they're not saying, I want you to be miserable, right? They're not saying, I want you to suffer. They're saying, I want you to understand that what you have had as a base, as a floor, is significantly higher than a significant number of other people. And so you're looking at it from, I, I, I was here and I'm here, uh, or there's all these things in the way. But you never looked at being here and getting to here and your, your life only moving this amount. You, you, you missed these chasm jumps. Uh, because of your privilege that a lot of people are just absolutely, they're not ignorant of it. They're just not self-effacing. They're not insightful about it. They don't realize yeah, you're starting uh, that their experience isn't the only experience. And so you see that so much more with first generation immigrants and also to, to just kind of dovetail into what we do here at the Empower Plant, the Empower Hour, women, you know, and, I, and I've told this, I put this in my book. I said, if you think it's a gender thing or a race thing or a culture thing, it's not. It's an experience thing. The more women have the same opportunities and privileges that men have had, you're going to see the same kind of undesirable behavior in women that you've seen in men. Because when things go your way, you don't challenge yourself. You don't try to be better. You, you become complacent and you become um, a presumptuous. You expect the seas to part. You expect to be able to just, you know, do what you do at your level because it's so easy to forget where you came from. Mm -hmm. You don't have a constant reminder because you're maybe three, four, five generations removed from that big step between where I came from and where I'm where I am now. When the step is where you came from, where you are now, or if it goes down, you just don't have that empathy. Am I being clear? I don't know if I if this oh, is motivating or not. Very. I want to talk about Oasis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Kimmy Hogan, our law partner, she couldn't be here today because what is she doing? Killing for the clients. Um, <laughs> she's busy. Um, we we uh, put a, a block on all of Betsy's clients so they couldn't communicate with her during this hour. <laughs> but when she gets off this, when she gets off this <laughs> she's going to be up all night. Uh, I hope not. I hope we have good, healthy boundaries. But no, what it is, is the first person who gets the chance to do something tends to do a better job of it. They don't take it for granted because they don't think there's another shot coming right behind them. Uh, but I do want to talk about Oasis because we are talking about women and women's empowerment and opportunities. And so much of the woman, uh, the women's opportunity lies in the complacency of men. You know, when you get fat and happy, you kind of unpack, you know, you kind of move in there. I look at it like cinder blocks rolling down a hill. You know, they're not very agile. They just kind of kerplunk, 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 two or three kerplunks. They sit down, they get married, 
you know, join the Chamber of Commerce, become a county commissioner, and they're there forever. They expect the world to grow great. They've got a support staff called family <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sure that they can float about and, and attend their civic functions and have a beautiful face and home and children and all those sorts of things. Whereas women, I mean, we just... Every step you take, you're getting somebody smacking you in the face. You don't look right. You don't act right. You're not doing this right. You make us uncomfortable. This, this, you know, fuck it, man. Screw all of that. It's not your job to make other people comfortable with your behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, every, every woman seems to be walking around with this hidden obligation. They assume that they're not being compensated for, which is to make everybody else comfortable with them. Right. And, and I just, I, I just want people to stop doing that enough of it. Back to Oasis. Uh, Kimmy Hogan's on the board. We're so excited that she's doing it. You know, I love me some Kelly Ott. I love Oasis. We love everything they're doing. How the hell, first of all, do you find time to do that with everything else you've got going on? And why is Oasis important to you? There's a lot of things out there you could uh, uh, spend your time on. Tell us about your uh, passion for Oasis. Well, so, okay, there's so much I can say. <laughs> so, um, well, well, first, that um you know I so I went to an all-girls high school and that's really an important part of my story because I directly benefited from gender specific education where I was surrounded by kick-ass women and I was like there was nothing we couldn't do right and so um during very formative teen years right and then I left that, moved to Tallahassee, I'm doing my thing in Tallahassee, and um, I'm not seeing the same camaraderie mm-hmm. amongst mm-hmm. women that I was used to. Mm-hmm. And kind of, it took me by surprise. And then so from, from that, I kind of started finding um, some very gender-specific service opportunities, right? So for me, that ended up being Refuge House. And I started volunteering at Refuge House, and then I worked at Refuge House as a children's advocate. And during that same time, Kelly Audi was the executive director of Refuge House, but we didn't like know each other then. Then she left and she needed a babysitter for her kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, my boss recommended me to Kelly and like the rest is history. Now we're family, right? Like we just, I mean, she's just one of the most amazing mentors I've ever had in my life. Um, she reminded me about the power of women, and the magic that could be found in all female spaces and then uh, she came up with this crazy idea for the Oasis Center for Women and Girls. And we were like, wait, what? And so I became a founding member. And then she came up with an even crazier idea, which was to give me a job and let me be camp director and program director for Oasis for several years. Uh, and so I did that and had like the time of my life. So, so much fun. And ever since then, I've just been a big part, a big, a big supporter of Oasis. It's part of our, they're one of our, um, philanthropic partnerships that we give to red eye gives to every year we do partnerships with them um i i everything that i am i owe period stop everything that i am i owe i owe to others who have poured into me i owe to people who saw past whatever wall it was that i couldn't see um who believed in me, who supported me. I mean, the way I think about it is like at every critical stage in my life, I was really just one poor decision away from becoming a statistic. Mm. And, um, I had amazing guides throughout my entire life to help me with the decision that I was about to make. Mm. And um, that's not something that I lightly. And so because of that, I just try to give back the ways that I can. And this is one of the ways and, and Oasis is a big part of my heart. Such gratitude. Such gratitude. Ladies, anything else before we wrap up? I want to give you both a chance uh, to comment or ask Barbie anything else you want to know. Um, I I wish we had more time with you, but we'll have you on again. I love you so much. Um, It's 520, so we got about 10 minutes. Who wants to go first? I have a question. Um, So what's your favorite coffee on the menu right now? Oh, God. So, okay. So, so my, my Miami girl heart wants to say cafe con leche and my red eye heart is going to say rosemary caramel. What the hell is rosemary caramel coffee? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a tea. It's 
So I'm really into plants. And a big part of it for me is that I like to combine savory and sweet in like different ways. Love it. One of the ways is we do a savory herb with something sweet. And so the different the different um, mixes we've got, it's uh, rosemary caramel. We've got a white chocolate sage. We have uh, a Mexican mocha, which is, it's mocha. It's like uh, cocoa powder, but cayenne pepper. Ooh. And got, yeah, we just do like different things. We got a maple thyme. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's I was awesome. In, uh, I was in, uh, oh, well, Belize. And uh, we had, uh, we went to a chocolate factory where they made the chocolate, told, told you about the cocoa. Y'all, I can make this stuff. Don't even, we can have a party. We'll do it a girl thing. I've got the stuff. I just need a mortar and pestle to grind. I know how to do it. But what I liked the most was that cayenne pepper with that dark chocolate, bitter cocoa. Today, I would drink it all day long. Put that in a coffee. It's good. Mm-hmm. I like the sage. I like that kind of thing too. Excellent question, Betsy. Yes, yeah. Thank you. I wrote that down. I got to try it. It's going to be my next one. Yes. We need a coffee bar. Do you do anything um, like truck? What do you call them? Uh, Food trucks or portable? Do you do any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So we had a mobile cafe, like a mini bus, but we sold it during COVID. It was another alive, but we do pop-ups. And so now we've got like a little van and we'll drive a little van. We'll set up our tent and it's like really, really cute. And we can do like a pop-up shop just about anywhere. I love that. I think, in fact, I want to do a show where we just have a bunch of food truck vendors because that's the thing, man. There's so many places where they want to eat out. They want to have the food. They actually want to take home. They, they really would get takeout if a, if a stand-up brick-and-mortar restaurant was there, but they, they want to get it. And it allows people to have food where they otherwise didn't have. I just think it's the most innovative, hot thing, and I want to keep them going. I want to keep uh, talking from people. The, the, there's a fizzy thing with people in doing the boat. There's, um, you know, everybody's got everything with the pop, the macaroni truck. If y'all have had that macaroni and cheese, forget about it. <laughs> Do not. It's so it's good. good. I just, I just love anything that's different. You know, that's one thing. I, I'm an optimist. So I look at COVID as uh, that was weird as hell. But a lot of interesting things came out of it. And I think we're better for it. We're certainly, we certainly got to be more resilient. There's no yeah. way. There's no way. We handled a lot of curveballs. So I think we got But is it like innovation is the something of necessity? Well, innovation is a mother of necessity. Necessity is, a mother necessity of- is the mother of invention. invention. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. you got to do it, you got to do it. And guess who usually figures that shit out, women? Hence the mother. <laughs> right? Boom. They didn't say the daddy of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dana, you're on fire. We're on fire today. <laughs> today. Yeah, and we're wrapping and we're wrapping. Sorry. So, two questions. Is yes. there peppermint on your menu? Is that I am really not a Starbucks girl, but as Dana stated, like it's on the way. I love your coffee because I used to come in there to do like my podcast and stuff. So, is there peppermint? on it wasn't peppermint on oh you know it's not peppermint season it's barely i mean we can't even get a i think we should do it all the time so, so that's, that's just throwing it out there i'm being innovative we do that is, that's edgy that's edgy I'm just yeah. from november to february i think it should just be year round 365 i'm just saying we could call it kia's peppermint daddy model for you thank you because we're, yeah, we're what next what next kia pumpkin spice <laughs> in august yeah no problem. <laughs> craziness. Craziness. That's you're just now, going if, if you're putting in some orders. Right. Just throwing. I that. would like a matcha that does is not pre <laughs> because I don't want the extra calories. What I want is a non-sweetened matcha, almond milk, ice. I shouldn't have to say that with <laughs> a Splenda or a Stevia. We can is do it, that for you. It's doable. Easy peasy. The Dana drink. In. You call it the Dana. The Dana. Yeah. We'll get a I contract like to you. It's easy. You just sign a couple of rights. It's fine. Right. We're good to go. But my now, life- I've, had, I've obviously had a blast here today. 
We really have, and you are oh, my sister friends, though. I love it because this woman, this group of uh, the 25 women you need to know, which the Tallahassee Democrat puts out every year, people are nominated. We've got uh, 25 women and five young up and coming women, like my girl, um, Amaya Wayman, who does the uh, Girl Flow Project. She's everything. But I love it. There's such a great group of women and everything they're doing just lights you up, turns you on. That's why when we started doing the Empower Hour, I'm like, well, shit, how are we going to find this many amazing women to do it? I mean, I need 50 a year at least. Guess what? Long list. And so many of them are in Club 25. Betsy uh, Brown would be on one of them if she wasn't here on it every week. Kia Thomas leading the way. Um, a, a standout person uh, among her peers. So, uh, Barbie, you are in good company here. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to have you. Thank you so much. No, this has been great. And Kia, I'm sorry. Were you trying to? I didn't know if you had one yes, more question. Before we leave, yeah. we, we always want to make sure that we're continuously supporting, right? So, how can we be a support system to not just female businesses, but to get it out there for people to know more about Red Eye. How do we assist with that? Gosh, well, so, you know, the the things that people always like to say, especially for supporting small businesses, right, is you post. So social media, you leave our Google reviews, you do Facebook recommendations, all that stuff. Right. We're on that for you. Yeah. the, The thing that I'll tell you for for us specifically right now is we are definitely trying to spread the word about our catering services. Okay. So many people in town with everything they do, they like automatically like the, just the automatic is like Panera and it's yeah. like, oh, do Panera for this thing, or I'll just do, you know, Panera for this thing. Right. right? So we, um, we do, we can do the same thing that Panera does only it's local and better and filled with more love and smiles. And so, <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah, we do do box lunches. We can do platters. We do charcuterie. We do grazing boards. We do grazing boxes. Where I mean, just spreading the word about our catering right now for us is like the the biggest help. Okay. Oh, I'm on it. I'm I'm here for it. We are here Mm -hmm. to help you, lady. I just texted Kia. (laughs) (laughs) I need her to find appreciation. On it. Done. Yay. Thanks y'all so much. This was so fun. I hope you invite me back. This is so cool. Yeah. And when we come in there, I know that most people really only know Dana. So if I come in with Dana, you should know me then. But if you see me or Betsy, because she's going to be on Billboard. Betsy's on Billboard. You know, don't forget about us, okay? No. <laughs> Betsy about to blow up. Right? <laughs> Betsy doesn't know. <laughs> Betsy doesn't really have any idea what it's going to be like going to Publix in a year. Right? I'm not forgetting that. You wore a shirt for me. I did. Now, and I'm going to give you a shout out too, because you have been kind enough to host at Red Eye in Midtown. Mm. The Oasis uh, Women's Book Signing Events. I'm I'm screaming out. There's a name. Tell me about it. Yeah. Women Books and Brews. So once a month, they bring out um, an author. And she talks about her book and she signs it and they're asked questions and it's like really a lot of fun and people can yeah. register beforehand and you can order some food and stuff like that. And you've been, you've, you've yeah, been. Y'all, y'all were kind enough to um, uh, feature me with Functional Feminism and A Political Guide to Women's Empowerment. And yeah. you also had uh, Ellie Rosario. She's got yeah. two books out now. She is on fire. She's literally on fire. That's part of her book title. But Ellie was all right. You talk about resilience, lady. Oh my goodness! And her Puerto Rican culture informs a lot of of her beliefs. And I just I'm so turned on about this next generation of women because I'm uh, getting a little long in the tooth. I can't do everything. I'm so glad to have all of y'all coming up, and I'm so glad there's the energy. I think COVID helped with that. It brought out the things that are the best things about women. It, it really helped us shine and everybody see, oh, you, got a pickle? you need a chick to get you out of it, period. That's, yeah. I love it. For thank sure. you, Barbie. Thank you, Kia. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, all of our uh, listeners and our viewers for coming back for another over-the-top exciting episode of the Empower Hour brought to you by the Empower Plant 
by facing Brooks. I'm Dana Brooks. And if you ever have any legal questions, even if it's not personal injury, medical malpractice, products, liability, mass torts, even if it's not stuff we do on the daily, we're going to help you. We're going to get you an answer or we're going to get you to somebody we know and trust who can give you that answer. So call us anytime, 850-777-7777. And if you can't find me, you're not looking. So I'm available to you. Okay. Barbie, thank you for joining us. Red Eye. And we will see you back next week for another exciting episode of the Empower Hour. Y'all have fun this week. Hello, I'm Dana Brooks of Facebook.